My name's David Hart. Went to Guatemala in November of 2019 with my oldest daughter, Michaela. We went to a lot of different small communities up in the mountains and just got to meet, visit, do projects with amazing people. Growing up, I had no desire to go out of the country. Just had a lot of probably ignorant thoughts. Our town, we took on a lot of immigrants and the town didn't accept them real well, especially at first. I kind of fell into that, you know, with a just bad attitude, really, you know, towards the whole thing. Mornings leading up to the trip, you know, I would hear a voice that says, what are you doing? You know, why, why are you going? And a lot of times we're like, I'm not sure. We were building a house, starting the foundation for a house for a special needs child and um, carries cinder blocks, you know, down the mountain. And uh, it was the hardest working day of my life. And I think I've had physical labor jobs, you know, my whole life, but this was, it was a hard day of work, 2021. Got to go back in 2022 and see the finished product. It was amazing, you know, to be able to see the full circle. When you're there, you know, I'm here. God put me here because I didn't do this on my own. There's no way. For God just to change my heart and go full, you know, 180, just to understand and just to feel a love that you just didn't expect. You go there to minister to them. You go to there to love them. And, uh, you know, you, you receive it first. Like they, they meet you long before you can even try to bless them. They bless you. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself that first trip. Like I gotta be prayed up and I gotta be like prepared. God just said, just go and love the people and kind of let him do the rest. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. If God's putting it on your heart, go. Crosspoint, and thank you, David, for sharing your story. And maybe, like David, you kind of sense God stirring in your heart, be a part of one of our global trips. And uh, I want to invite you to take that next step. In fact, we have 14 trips over this year in nine different countries. And I want to encourage you, take the step, go on the trip. It's amazing what God does on a trip like that to help you see what he's doing around the world and the work that he does in you as your own. It is an awakening experience to be a part of. And we've got info stations that are set up in all of our lobbies, or you can go to crosspoint.tv slash global to find out more. But we're excited about what God's doing through um, our, our global good here at Crosspoint. I want to invite you to take, take that next step. And, uh, and we're also excited as we're in the season awakening, where we're talking about awakening, where we're asking God to awaken us to what he's doing in our own hearts and what he's doing in the world around us and the lives of our friends, our neighbors. And we're, we're devoting time this month to pray for family members and for friends and for our communities, for the neighborhood. Um, and so I want to invite you to jump in to, to fast and pray. And there's some of you, um, it, maybe you're not, you haven't yet jumped in or you haven't yet found out more. We've actually got a site that we put together some resources for you. You can go to crosspoint.tv slash awaken and you can find all of those resources, a podcast and a daily prayer guide to help you continue along through this month and get the most out of this month and, and what's offered. And, um, and you're also invited to jump in on the fast. And some of you are sitting there going, so seriously, Pastor, you're asking me to fast um, the day of the Super Bowl. And for some of you, that's, I, for some of you, chicken wings are spiritual experience. And if that's, if you haven't jumped in, you can jump in tomorrow. Um, 
if, uh, if you haven't jumped in yet, you can, uh, you can um, if, if you're wondering if it's a good idea to break a fast with chicken wings, I'll just go ahead and tell you it's not from experience. It is not a, <laughs> it is not a, a good idea at all, but, uh, but we're, we're excited in this, in this season. It's just amazing to see what God is doing and what he's stirring, and, uh, and, and my prayer is that you would experience that in your life as well. And, uh, and in this uh, awakened season on the menu, what we're studying in scripture is John, uh, John, the upper room discourse in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. So these four weeks, we're breaking it down week by week and just looking through this final conversation that Jesus had with the disciples. And today we're going to be looking at John chapter 15. If you've got a Bible, you can, you can turn there before we, as you're turning there. And before we get into it, I got to tell you a story about what happened. Um, a few weeks back, uh, Rhea and I, we went down to, uh, we went to Orlando. I was preaching. Uh, my friend Dustin Agard, he became lead pastor at Journey Church in Orlando. And I got to preach his installation service uh, where he officially became the lead pastor. He's been in a two-year transition and uh, down there. So it was, it was one, one of my best friends. We've been friends for 20-something years. And so to get down, to get to preach that was a, uh, just a real privilege. And so we, um, as we were going down, we were, we were traveling, me and Rhea and Bolton. And, uh, and we, were, we were flying down there, and we, uh, when we were going through TSA. I was navigating the bags, and I reached in one of the pockets, and I found $300 in, uh, in one. That's a good day. And in one of my pockets on my book bag, and uh, how many call it a backpack? How many call it a book bag? I'm just, okay, maybe three of us call it book bag. Okay, my backpack. And, uh, and so I reached in, there were $300, and I was like, this is this is amazing. I mean, it's like Christmas at the TSA. I mean, I was like, this is great. It's great. And so $300 and I showed it to Rhea. I was like, I found $300. I was like, this is, this is awesome. I said, you can go shopping. I was thinking in Orlando, they've got some like premium factory outlets. So I was like, Rhea, you can go shopping with this. It's going to be great. And so like, I'm making promises with the $300, put it in my pocket and I'm just happy. And then we went, we were flying Southwest and uh, because of grace. And so we were flying Southwest and we were at the Southwest terminal <clears throat> and we went down and they've got a puckets there. I don't know if you've seen this in the new, they've got new, like they've got a Puckett's in the airport. Have you ever been to Puckett's? Puckett's is amazing. Talk about spiritual experience. It's, it's like a bougie Cracker Barrel <laughs> where you walk into live music instead of walking into a yard sale. It's awesome. And so, so you went in and like we're sitting down there and there's some live music going on in the corner, just setting the vibe. And this lady, she's really good. She's up there playing. And, uh, and we're just, I'm, you know, Sitting there, and I'm just thinking, I just found $300. Like, this is a great day, and we're listening to live music. This is awesome. And, and Rhea and I, we're, we're, we're talking, and we're eating puckets, and we're happy. We're just it's delicious, and both, we're just all. And I'm just thinking, I thought, and I even said out loud, I love live music. I was like, I'm so happy right now. And then Rhea said, um, she said, well, we should, we should ask, like, if, they'll, if she'll play some Indigo Girls, because Rhea likes Indigo Girls. And, and she was like, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll, make, a, like, I'll make a request. Do you have any cash? And she gives, me, she gives me $4, and I put it in my pocket. And so then I'm like, well, I'm going to go make a request. So I'll walk up, and, you know, and I'm, you know, put a tip in the tip jar. And I said, well, can you play, can you play Indigo Girls? And the lady's eyes just lit up. She must have liked Indigo Girls. And so she, she was like, yeah. And, uh, and so she starts playing Indigo Girls and we're singing at the table, eating cheeseburger, like life is good. And, and then, you know, and then I go, um, I go to wash up before a flight and I'm walking and I, uh, and I reach in for my, you know, for my $300 and I don't have my $300. And I'm like, somebody stole my money. <laughs> have, you, have you ever felt troubled? Like, have you ever, I didn't even know I had $300, but then I knew $300 and I was like, and I just felt troubled in my spirit. Have you ever felt that feeling like I had something really valuable, but now I lost it? 
Anybody ever been there? I'm the only one where you're like, where you just feel like you feel troubled, you feel concerned, you're confused, you're trying to figure out what just happened, who took advantage of me, who robbed me at the Nashville airport. And I'm just, I am distraught. And it's one thing if it's $300, but it's another thing if it's your hope. And it's another thing if it's your, your faith. If it's another thing, if you feel like, you know what, I've lost joy. Have you ever lost joy and you can't remember where you left it? Have you, have you ever been in a moment where you're like, I'm confused and I don't know what's, what's going on, which way? Have you ever felt lost like that? And so the disciples in the upper room, they feel troubled because, because Jesus has told them, I'm going to the cross. He's told them, one of you will betray me. He's told you, another one of you will deny me three times. And so they feel troubled. And this is what Jesus says in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He said, I'm giving you my peace, the same peace that you've seen me live with for the last three years, the same peace that you've seen me experience, the shalom. He says, I'm giving this as a gift to you. So the question is, how do you have peace when, when the world seems anything but peaceful? Like, how do we hold on to faith in the midst of temptation? How do we remain faithful when our faith is under fire? How do we experience flourishing and life change and transformation and make a difference in the world? Well, I'm glad you asked those questions because that's what we're going to look at today from John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to read eight verses together. John chapter 15. We're going to pick up in verse one. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you, much, you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus tells us right here, he tells us, that the, he gives us the key. He gives us the key. He's come to teach him. He said, this is the, here's my strategy. You know what my strategy is? The strategy for how we're going to expand the kingdom, for how we're going to move things forward, for how you're going to do ministry, how, how you're going to experience power, for how we're going to advance the gospel in the earth. This is how things are going to move forward in this mission. This is how we're going to carry the mission out. This is how we're going to make a difference in the world together. This is how you're going to experience the peace of God, the presence of God, the power of God in your life, the kingdom strategy. And so when it came time to give them the strategy, he didn't, he didn't give them a map. He didn't give them a bank account. He didn't give them a political strategy. He didn't give them a trust fund. He didn't give them a 10-year strategy of how it was going to happen. Comprehensive plan. He didn't give them a recommended reading list. He gave them a vine. He said, this is how we're going to do it. He gave them a word picture. He gave them 
a metaphor that communicates the spiritual reality that you need to know if you want to see God move through your life. He gave them the vine. And here's what he's, here's what he's telling me. There are key, three key spiritual realities. If you're writing them down, you can, you can go ahead and start jotting. The first one is that Jesus is the vine. You may not know that if you, if you haven't been down to Arrington Vineyards or if you grew up Baptist, you may not know that the way that the vine works. But the way the vine works is that the, 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 the vine is actually the trunk and the, the limb. The vine is actually everything coming out of the ground. That is the vine. It's the roots, the trunk, everything is the vine. And so it's not just the part that goes on the trellis. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I'm the life source. I'm the source of your life. I came to give you life and give it to the full. And, and I am the vine. Jesus is saying he is the vine, the source of life. The second is that the father is the gardener. The father is the gardener. Jesus wants, to know, wants us to know that God is the gardener, that he is the one that is responsible for tending the vineyard. And the gardener has one job. And the one job of the gardener is to get as much fruit as he can from the garden. To tend the branches in such a way where there is the greatest yield, the greatest harvest that produces the most, the most fruit. And then thirdly, we are the branches. We are the branches. Branches are the little limbs that are connected to the vine. Branches are the little limbs that from those limbs produces fruit. Grapes grow on the branches and the branches need air and they need cleansing and they need sunshine and they need nourishment and they need to be supported and they need to be cared for and they need to be cleansed and they need to be pruned. Branches need to be tended to. And the gardener works to tend the branches so that the branches would produce fruit. So Jesus is the vine, Father is the gardener, and we are the branches. Now, what is fruit? Now, in the scriptures, the, the phrase good fruit and good works are used synonymously. And so the fruit, is, it's the good works of our lives. It's the good works that, that bring forth. It's, it's the difference that we make when we, when we walk into a room and then when we leave the room, it's the things that people remember. It's our words, it's our attitudes, it's our actions, it's our deeds, it's our behaviors. It's when we go the extra mile. It's when we stop to serve. It's a kind word given at the right time in the right way. It's when we leave things better than we found them. It's when we forgive and extend grace. It's when we turn the other cheek instead of vengeance. It's when we talk well behind people's backs and start, instead of talking negatively behind their backs. It's good fruit. And so when, when Scripture teaches about fruit in Galatians 5.22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And the reason that it calls, it calls it fruit is because it's not manufactured. It's not behavior management. It flows from the inside. As we abide in Christ, this is the fruit of our lives that comes forth from our lives. So we don't, we don't, have, to, we don't have, to, have to manufacture it. We're not serving up preserves, old fruit, but it's fresh fruit for our life and every single day as we abide in him. And what's the purpose for this group fruit? Well, the purpose for this group fruit is not to make us look good. Purpose for this fruit is not for the gram. It's not so that we can post it up so that everybody can see, look at my, look at my good fruit. 
so that other people think well of us. The purpose for good fruit is that they see God's glory. Look with me in verse 8. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. See, this is the purpose. If you're wondering why am I here on the planet, this is why we're here on the planet. To bear much fruit for the Father's glory. You and I exist for the glory of God. That's why we've been placed here. It's for his glory. It's not for our glory, but to his glory. He has put us here that we might know him and that others might know him and that they might know his glory. And that when we bear fruit in our lives through our love and through our deeds and through our, through our actions and through our words, that when, we, when people experience good fruit from our lives, they see the Father's glory. Man, I, I saw a picture of this this past week, and I was like, I can't wait to, can't wait to share it. There was a couple in our church who, who they volunteer, and, and they, they, they serve on a team, and, and they were in church one Sunday back in December, and they sensed God press on their heart. As we were talking, we had said something about refugees in a side comment, and as they got in the car, they said, you know what? We need to give this car to a refugee family. And so the Spirit put that idea in their heart, so they reached out to one of our staff members and said, do you know of any refugee families that are in need? And the staff member said, yes, one came to mind, a young lady who, who came to the United States on asylum, fleeing um, the Taliban in Afghanistan. Her life was at risk, and so she came here, and she was walking Harding Pike every single day to work. And so the, the connection was made, and their car got to this young lady and they got to surprise this young lady with a car. And when she received the car, this young lady who is, who is a Muslim, she said, this is what she said, when I lived in Afghanistan, some people told me that people in the U.S. were not nice people. And then I moved to the U.S. And since moving here, I have met so many of you that are so kind that I know you must be close to God. Jesus said it this way, that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, your city on a hill. And it's through our good deeds, through the way that we serve, through the way that we follow the Spirit, that people see those things and God gets glory. We give all glory to God. It's okay, if I want to bear fruit in my life, how do I do it? How do I make it happen? Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus gives the secret. Here's the key. He says, abide in me. He says, remain in me. Word is also translated abide. What does it mean to, to abide? It means it's the place you make yourself at home. It's where you make yourself at home. To abide means to be at home. And home is supposed to be the place where you're safe. Home is supposed to be the place where you're secure. Home is supposed to be the place where you're nourished and where your needs are met. And if your home life wasn't like that growing up, I'm sorry. That's not the way things are supposed to be. But Jesus said, I will heal your heart. Make yourself at home in me. I will be that refuge. I will be that place where you find your needs met. I will be the place where you find belonging. I will be the place where you find love. So Jesus tells us, abide in me, in my presence. Listen to how Thomas Keating talks about the presence. He says, this presence is so immense, yet so humble, all-inspiring, yet so gentle, limitless, yet so intimate, tender, 
and personal. I know that I am known. Everything in my life is transparent in this presence. It knows everything about me, all my weakness, brokenness, sinfulness, and still loves me infinitely. This presence is healing, strengthening, refreshing just by its presence. It's like coming home to a place I should never have left to an awareness that was somehow always there, but which I did not recognize. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you were welcomed into that presence to experience the presence of God, to know the presence of God in your life. And when you know his presence, how good he is, like you don't want to leave. <laughs> you don't want to leave. Joshua, servant of Moses, says he lingered at the tent of the presence. He's just, I don't want to leave. It's too good. You just want to stay in the presence. And if you knew how good God is in his presence, you would never want to leave. Never want to depart. So many of us, we get God wrong. And so we try to run from God. When you know his, the look on his face toward you is always love. And he always welcomes you back. The prodigal son's story is not just a one-time story for salvation. It's a story we need every single day. Because I don't know about you, but I need mercy every single day. I need the Father's arms every single day. I need the Father's love every single day. I need a new pair of sandals every single day. I need a new robe every single day. I need a ring on my finger every single day. I need to be welcomed back, and the Father always welcomes you back. And some of you, you're on the verge, and you're running because you get the Father wrong. If you get the Father wrong in his perfect love, we get everything wrong. And Jesus has made a way for us to be restored and reconciled with the Father. And so Jesus says, abide in me. Make yourself at home in me. Make me your place in which you rest. And we're all learning how to do that. Because the truth is, we're all abiding in something. We can abide in fear. We can abide in self-pity. We can abide in failures. We can abide in regret. We can abide in ambition. We can abide in comparison. We can abide in anger. We can abide in resentment. We can abide in lust. Or we can abide in Christ. Jesus said, abide in me. Now let's go back to the airport. <clears throat> I can't find that money. I already told Reese she could go shopping. This is not good. And so my first thought was, well, I don't have to tell her. I don't have to tell her I lost the money. And then it occurred to me, what, what had happened was, <laughs> when I reached in for a $4 tip, instead I grabbed those three $100 bills, and I tipped that artist at Puckett's $304. Her eyes lit up, not because she loved the Indigo Girls, but because she just saw some Benjamins coming into her bucket. And I was like, I don't have to tell Reed. And so then this like this thing starts, this battle starts going on. Like I can just, I don't have to mention it. I don't have, I can just tell her I lost it. I can just tell her I lost it. No, I don't even want to tell her I lost it. I don't even have to say it. We can still go shopping. We can still go shopping. And then like I, I, I knew, and there was like a, an inner lawyer, like this inner Bart Durham going on inside of my head, like, <laughs> like defending myself that I don't have to. And if Bart Durham's here, hey, glad you're here. But like this lawyer going on in my head, like I don't have to tell her. And then I was just like, no, I do need to tell her. And so 
I worked up the courage, and I was like, Re, um, I did a bad thing. She's like, what did you do? I was like, all that money in my pocket, those $300 bills, and that $4, I put those in the tip jar. And she said, Kevin, see, can you imagine if Camden, our daughter, was playing a show and somebody tipped her $304? I was like, I didn't think about that. She was like, as her parents, we'd think that's awesome. I was like, yeah, that's right. We would think that's awesome. And Marie was like, and you never know. Like, you never know how God would use that to help answer a prayer that she might have. I was like, that's right. I went from making a mistake to living a life on mission. <laughs> like, like that. And it was nothing that I did. It was God's grace. But I want you to see it. I got there through vulnerability and confession. And some of us never experience a new perspective. We never experience a new way of saying because we're constantly hiding. We're constantly protecting and we hold back from confession. And I'm going to tell you, I was this close to not saying anything. But if we want to, if we want to experience abiding, we have to say something because there's no abiding and hiding. When we're hiding, we're constantly looking over our shoulder. We're constantly trying to protect ourselves. We're constantly saying, well, who knows? And how can I keep them from knowing? And how can I hold this tight? But there's, there's power in confession because when we confess, we experience freedom. And we abide in Christ, not in what other people think of us. And how through the power of confession, you could experience new perspective, fresh grace, and hope in your life. And I'm not telling you that story like because I didn't anything. I was this close to hiding. But here's what I know. If I would have hid that, that I wouldn't be as close to Re as I want to be. There's no hiding and abiding. But when we abide in Christ, that's when we experience the freedom and the flow of his spirit doing a work in us and through us for others. So we want to bear fruit. And if you're saying, I want to bear fruit for the glory of God, man, that is a good thing. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Jesus says in verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that lasts. He said, I want you to bear good fruit. I want you to bear much fruit. I want you to bear lasting fruit. I want, your, I want your life to bear fruit all over the place. And I don't know, you're probably like me and going, I want to bear fruit at home. I want to bear fruit as a dad. I want to bear fruit as a husband. I want to bear fruit as a friend. I want to bear fruit as a pastor. I want to bear fruit at work. I want to bear fruit in my career. I want to bear fruit in the neighborhood. I want to bear fruit at the gym. I want to bear fruit when I'm, when I'm around other people, I, when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm at the airport. I want to bear fruit and I want to bear fruit that lasts. And so if you're like that, if you're with me in that, if you want to bear fruit, it's a sign that the Spirit is working in you. If you want to bear fruit for the glory of God, if you want to abide in Christ, that's a very good thing. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I chose you that you would bear fruit. And so if you're going, I want to bear fruit, well, let me give you, let me give you four keys that I'm learning from John chapter 15. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first one is cultivation requires intentionality. Cultivation requires intentionality. If you've ever had a garden, and you haven't done anything, you no longer have a garden. Because the wilderness always creeps. Thorns, weeds always choke out what's being grown. Your spiritual life is the same way. If you ignore it, it will get choked out. But it requires intentionality. 
That's why prayer and fasting are a part of this month. That's why I encourage you to jump in because something happens with prayer and fasting where it reveals the things that God wants to work in us, that he wants to clean, the weeds that he wants to pull in our lives so that we bear fruit and fruit that lasts. As part of this fast, I felt like God saying, I, I want you to fast coffee for the first three days. And so I wrestled with God like Jacob. Like, nope. Because I have not gone a day without coffee for 20 years. Don't judge me. I dr and I drink a lot of it every single day. And I was like, God, do you know? Like, I'm just, do you really? And I, I, I fought it. And I was like, okay. And on the first day, I was in a bad mood all day long. I was just, I was frustrated. I was grumpy. I was complaining. I got home and snapped at one of my kids. And you know what I told myself when I snapped? Is I said, well, I just did that because I haven't had any coffee today. And I felt like the Spirit said, no, Kevin, you did that because you're impatient. And see, here's what I learned in my life. I've a, I know how to abide in coffee. When I feel stressed, abide in coffee. When I feel frustrated, abide in espresso. When I feel bored, abide in. When I feel demotivated, abide in a Cuban. When I, feel, when, I, when I feel anxious, abide in Americano. I know how to abide in coffee. I'm an expert in that. And what I've found in my life is I can abide in those beverages rather than abide in Christ. And it took removing that for a season for me to go and just kind of reorder some things. I'm telling you, fasting is powerful. And there's no way, and when, when I was, I was the second day, I, I opened up a reading and it was in Exodus and it was talking about the Israelites when they were in the desert and they were grumbling and complaining. And they were grumbling and complaining because they had manna and, uh, and God met all their needs, but it wasn't what they wanted. And so they were grumbling and complaining. I felt like God was saying, hey, can we do the no coffee thing again today just without you complaining? And I was like, God, I can't do that. But you can. And you can do that through me. And so I'll abide in Christ. I want to abide in Christ so that you can do that through me. Cultivation requires intentionality. Second, repentance and confession are the path home. Repentance and confession are, are the path home. If I would have lied about the $300, what happened, or if I would have created another story, um, as I said, my relationship with Re wouldn't be what it should be, and I wouldn't be as close to Re as I wanted to be. It, we would have still been marriage. Here's what I want you to see. It would not have affected my union with Re. We'd still be married. But it would affect my communion with Re. Sin, if we're in Christ, if we trusted Christ, when we sin, it does not affect our union with Christ. You have been reconciled with God through Christ. While your union is not affected, our communion is affected. Because sin always affects relationships. It creates dissonance. And the path back home is repentance. And repentance is a word that got, has gotten a hard rap. And I'm going to tell you, in its, in, its, in its original, what the word means, it means to come back home. And some of you have moved to a new city and to a new place and you found yourself in places that you never thought you'd be. You found yourself doing things that you never thought you would do. Here's what you need to know. God always welcomes you back for repentance. Every, every moment is his invitation back for repentance to be reconciled with God, to be restored, for that communion to be restored. 
Repentance and confession is the path home. It's the path back to abiding. Number three, God lovingly prunes our lives because he wants the best for us. The gardener does two things. The gardener cuts and the gardener prunes. He cuts off the branches that don't bear fruit and he prunes the ones that do. And a gardener prunes that more fruit would come about. Pruning is a cutting away and a cleansing and a cutting back. And God will cut off things in our lives that are taking up resources and energy that are keeping us from being fruitful. He will eliminate, he will work to eliminate um, sometimes habits, sometimes people. He will use circumstances and situations in our lives to prune our lives that we would be more fruitful. And Jesus said, I've cleansed you, you've been pruned by the word. It's always the Father's heart to use his word to prune our lives. That through his scripture, through the written word, or through his whisper, through the Holy Spirit, that that we would submit those things, that he would be able to cut those things away with his word. It's always his preference. But when we resist on his whisper, when we resist on the spirit, when we resist his word, then he will use situations and circumstances. And it's out of love. Because he loves us and he wants what's best for us and he wants to get the most glory from our lives. And I wonder how much time do we spend picking up, picking up, picking up branches, things that he's cut off, trying to spend energy, trying to get those things, people and circumstances and relationships and things. And in the past, God has tried to cut off from our lives and we're trying to reattach because we're more afraid of what life would look like without those things. And we're out of fear. We're trying to put those things back. And God is saying, God is wanting to give us the faith to say, God, I will trust you with the branches on the ground for the fruit that you want to bear in my life. Abide in me. This is invitation. And pruning is always to make us more like Christ. And then number four, the greatest fruit is love. The greatest fruit is love. Bear fruit and the greatest fruit of love. Verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And Jesus makes it so simple. Love each other as I have loved you. It's so simple. How many of you have heard that verse before? Love one another as I have loved you. That's so simple. It's impossible. He said, you've been, me, you've been with me for three years. You've seen the way I love, the way I've loved you. The way I've encouraged you, the way I've spoken to you, the way I've led you, the way I've been here for you, the way I've served you, the way I've believed in you. Now love one another as I have loved you. That's impossible unless you're abiding. Because you can't give what you don't have. Whether it's love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, $304. You can't give what you don't have. That $304, that was gone. Oh, I thought about going over there and... I did. Yeah, I did. I thought about it, but I didn't. I don't want to bear fruit. I don't want to get beat up. 
$304 was gone. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is that Jesus laid his life down on the cross and he was raised from the dead to give you new life so that you can abide in him. And while there's a limit, those $304 are gone, there is no limit to the love of Christ. And he will give you everything that you need to love that person in front of you. Sometimes I even pray, God, you love me and you love them. Would you love them through me? Because I don't have agape love. I don't have perfect love on my own. God, I need your love. Fill me up. I abide in you. Would you help me love them? And Crosspoint, we can be known for a lot of things. We're known for a lot of things. But Jesus said, this is how they'll know that you're with me, Crosspoint. That you love one another. And sometimes love means serving, and sometimes love means going the extra mile, and sometimes love means having a hard conversation. Sometimes love means 3 a.m., being that friend. Sometimes love means being a part of the rescue that God's doing in somebody else's life. Sometimes love is just being, being present. But Jesus said, let me love them through you. So abide in me. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for you because he has given us imp an impossible call, command, unless we're abiding. And the invitation today is that if you haven't been abiding, if you've been hiding, come home. We're going to have prayer teams down front in all of our campuses at the end of service. Just come home. Let somebody pray with you. You could just go to the car. You could just go pick up the kids and go to the car. But if it's a come home kind of day for you, you just come home. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Confession is a beautiful thing. We invite you. Come and be prayed for, pray with. Second is if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. You go, man, I want that kind of life. I want to bear fruit. Jesus said, I chose you. So if you sense God calling you toward that, then come pray with somebody. It's just him calling you. An opportunity for you to respond. So if you're in either of those groups, or if you need prayer for anything, we'll just call number three. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you and for you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the promise. The invitation to abide promise to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. God, thank you for the desire to bear more fruit. And if that's your heart today, if you've been stirred and you're just like, I want to bear more fruit in my life, would you just lift your hand up so I can pray for you? Maybe half of us, could be all of us. But you're not saying it to me, you're saying it to God. If you want to say that to God, God, I want to bear more fruit. Okay. Father, I pray for everyone who has raised their hands. I pray that this week that you would, I pray even right now, that you'd fill them with your spirit, with your power, with your love. God, I pray that you give them eyes to see other people and the opportunities that you bring their way. I pray for supernatural opportunities. And God, for supernatural presence and power to reveal your love. And Jesus, I pray that as a, as a church, you would show us how to love one another so that people who 
don't believe would see a supernatural love through us and that they would put their faith and trust in you. That as a church and as a people, we would abide in you, bear fruit, fruit that lasts for your glory. And the awakening would happen. But let it first happen in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you leave today, I want to remind you, we'll have prayer down front. If you want information on the global trips, you stop off in the info centers. We'll see you back next week.